behalf of Lebanon Presbyterian Church, I would like to say welcome as we've gathered together today to celebrate and to remember the life of Miss Beverly Ann Mincy. Miss Beverly was a loving wife, mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, and also a faithful church member here at Lebanon Presbyterian Church, where her service was a very rich personal and spiritual blessing to our church family. To hear and to see her give testimony to God's goodness in her life and to, her, to watch her faith and hope in the Lord Jesus in the midst of difficult trials and physical challenges was both glorifying to God and at the same time deeply humbling and encouraging to her church family. Today we give witness to the reality and the hope of the resurrection that while we grieve in her absence of her physical presence with us here now, we rejoice that she is enjoying this day wholeness, riches, and the beauty of her Savior's presence. And one day we will be reunited with her again to worship and praise in his presence. Hear the call to worship this morning from Psalm 90 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Psalm 90 verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. At this time, one of Miss Beverly's uh, grandchildren will come and read the obituary. Thank you. So before I get started, uh, I just want to say uh, just a couple quick things about Miss Beverly, uh, aka my Nana. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, the thing that I truly appreciated about her the most was that she always took time to be interested in like the things that me and my sister were interested in, um, specifically um, uh, any sort of New England Patriot football games that we had. She was always checking in on me. She was like, did you watch it? I was like, you know, I watched it. Um, and, she, and then we would talk about it. And, and she was so, she was always just so thoughtful in that way. And uh, once me and my fiance started getting some dogs around, uh, when we would come and visit, she would love to see them. Um, and we really appreciated her taking the time and doing that as well. Um, and those are just, uh, my mother and my sister are going to elaborate on a lot more 
Um, but I just wanted to say that for me. So now we'll get started with the obituary. Beverly Ann Mincy, 80, passed away peacefully Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, surrounded by her family at the Hospice House of the Piedmont in Greenwood, South Carolina. She felt nothing but love and peace as her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took her hand away and led her home. A memorial service celebrating her life will be held at Lebanon Presbyterian Church in Winsboro, South Carolina on Saturday, January 20th, 11 a.m. Uh, Reverend Matthew Copen, I uh, hope I said that correctly, you did. Um, will officiate. Uh, the family will receive friends from 10 um, until 11, um, and then we'll have the uh, burial procession and everything. Milton Shealy Funeral Home Batesburg uh, is assisting us with that. Um, Beverly was the eldest daughter of Ray and Doris DeWalt and was born in Kingsland, Georgia. Growing up, she lived in St. Mary's, Georgia, Charleston, South Carolina, and Columbia, South Carolina. Beverly was loved by so many and enjoyed the friendships she created throughout her life. Over the years, she had fun traveling around and attending car shows with a special group of friends that helped to make Winsboro her home. She attended Lebanon Presbyterian Church, where she always felt right at home. She was involved in many things there, including the children's ministry, her circle mission group, various Bible studies over the years, and she especially enjoyed decorating and assisting with the monthly senior lunches hosted by the church. Lebanon Presbyterian Church is a special place full of special people that loved and welcomed Beverly with open arms. She enjoyed simple things like gardening, walking in her yard in the early morning to take in the sights and sounds, reading, working on crossword puzzles, spending time with family and friends, and baking, especially the, the banana nut bread to share with everyone. Her grandchildren described her as unconditional, grateful, and determined. She continued to live out these qualities all the way to the end as she lived out her final days. She had a beautiful spirit that will live on in all the people whose lives she's touched. Beverly is survived by her daughter, Tammy Martin, uh, married to Kyle Martin of Saluda, South Carolina. Her two grandchildren are Colby Strickland and myself, uh, Cooper Martin. Um, Colby is married to Tommy, and that's my fiance, Kelsey, over there. Um, along with her great-grandson, Reese Strickland of Saluda. Other surviving family members that loved and cherished her were her cousins, Judy Laval and Carolyn Jacobs, special nieces and a nephew, Lisa Sheely, and Eddie, and Brandy Lowen, as well as her brother, Warren Daywalt um, of Pensacola, Florida, and her sister, Tannis French of Pensacola, Florida. In addition to her parents, she is preceded by her husband, Jerome Mincy, infant son, Russell Fields, brothers, Jean Hall, Carl Daywalt, and Ray Daywalt, and his sister, Dale Lewis. A very special thank you goes to the staff on the 8th floor of Self Regional Medical Center in Greenwood, South Carolina, and to the staff at the Hospice House of the Piedmont in Greenwood, South Carolina. The love, and, the love, compare, compassion, and attention Beverly received while she was a patient at these places was incredible, and it will never be forgotten. The remarkable staffs provided Beverly with the dignity, love, and care that everyone deserves in their final days. Her family will forever be grateful for the way she was cared for in her last final days.
Father and our God, you are the Lord of life and of death. You made us in your image and you hold us in your care. We thank you today for your servant Beverly, for the gift of her life and for the love and mercy that she freely received from you and freely gave unconditionally to others. Especially we praise you, Lord, for the love in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose from the grave to give us eternal life, to defeat death and hell and Satan forever. Heavenly Father, we know that your spirit 
prays for us even when we do not know how to pray. Send now your Holy Spirit to comfort this dear family and bless them in this time of need and loss. And Lord, we join our voices together and pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This morning we're going to have two Old Testament readings and two New Testament readings. These were passages that Miss Beverly loved, that she would speak through her lips while I was reading them with her. She relished the promises in them and believed them by faith. From the book of Job, chapter 19, verses 23 to 27. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on rock with pen and with lead. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh... I shall see God, whom I shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns for this. And then from Psalm 23. Miss Beverly and I read this together, recited it together many times over the last couple of months. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. In green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then two New Testament readings, passages that Miss Beverly loved. She loved to, to hear the words of John and the words of Paul. So from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And then from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 3 through 7. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. And there will even be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words. For they are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God abides forever. I want to speak with you just briefly this morning, dear friends, about Psalm 23. Miss <coughs> Beverly loved Psalm 23. When I asked her, what scripture would you like for me to read to you today? She would always ask, would you please read Psalm 23? And then she would say it with me. It's one of the most well-known comforting passages in all of the Bible. It's a tender picture of a God who is faithful as a shepherd over his sheep. His people. He is the one who watches over them, protects them, provides for them in all of life. You heard those words in the verses. He spoke about green pastures and still waters, paths of righteousness. And even with faith, he says, even through the valley of the shadow of death. And on into eternity where David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is a deeply personal and comforting psalm because of the presence and the power of God to save and keep his sheep. That's why this psalm is so beloved. In our Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 1, there is a question that's asked. Miss Beverly believed this truth in her soul. And I pray, dear family, that it is a comfort to you as you hear these words and consider Miss Beverly's life and her love, her love for you as her family and her love for her Savior, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Question from Lord's Day 1 asks. And the answer says that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. This morning I want to consider just briefly two points about Psalm 23 with you. 
I believe, and we believe by faith, that Miss Beverly is living large with no pain, no difficulty, no hearing issues. She is living large <laughs> in the presence of her Savior. She is held in his firm grip, and the Lord Jesus promises that none who come to him does he lose. Not one does he turn away. Miss Beverly is living today in the Lord Jesus' care. And so I want to talk with you about that. Who is the good shepherd? Number one. And why could David and Miss Beverly be content in his promises? So number one, who is the good shepherd? Who was it that David spoke about? He says in verse one of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the covenant keeper. God says to his people, I will be your God and you will be my people. We believe it when the Bible says that Adam and Eve broke God's covenant in the garden and plunged all of humanity into sin. Not just that we sometimes get it wrong, but that we are thoroughly and completely in our sins apart from his grace. We believe that because of their sin of disobedience, not only did they deserve God's wrath, but we, their posterity, also do as well. They had offended the almighty, righteous judge of all the universe. And yet God, for his own good pleasure and for his own glory, chose to save from Adam and Eve's posterity throughout all generations of the earth a people for himself, not because of their goodness or righteous acts that they could do, not because they were only a little bit bad, but simply because of his glory, he chose to save them by grace. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a real man with flesh and blood, just like you and I. And he lived a perfectly sinless life, not like you and I. Something we cannot do on our own. All of our best efforts fail. If we sin one time, we have broken the law of God and deserve his punishment and wrath. And it is just. And Jesus coming into this world died a brutal death on the cross. He took upon himself all of the wrath of God due to the sins of his people. And after three days, he gloriously rose from the dead by the power of God. In his resurrection from the dead, Jesus defeated Satan, removed the sting of death, made a way for everyone who comes to the Lord by saving faith to be freed from the penalty and the power of sin. That is the hope and the beauty of the gospel. For sinners who deserve God's wrath and who justly would receive it if he poured it out, that Jesus came and took all of that wrath, exchanged his perfect, beautiful, sinless righteousness and gave it to us and clothed us in it and wrapped upon himself the sins of his people, absorbing the wrath of God for us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, dear people, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Who is the good shepherd? He is the covenant keeper. But notice something about what David said. He didn't say, God is my shepherd. Not just God is my shepherd. He said, the Lord 
is my shepherd. This is beyond mere belief in some higher power. And as you think about death today, as you think about Miss Beverly, as you think about your mom, your mother-in-law, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, she is not in a better place. She is in glory, in the presence of the God of the universe. This is not mere belief in a higher power. This is a significant and beautiful distinction. Many people say today, I believe in God. I believe in some higher power that's in charge of what's happening around us. No, this is belief in God the Lord. And the Hebrew language is significant and important here. To say, I believe in God, you might say, well, I I do believe in, in someone who's eternal or powerful. But David here calls God his Lord, the Lord. In the Bible, you read this, sometimes it's translated the Lord in all caps or Jehovah, the personal, intimate, loving, caring, present God who is ever with and watches over his people. And so you have a few options here. Why would David choose to use this word to talk about God? Isn't God separate from us in his holiness and righteousness? Isn't he lofty, high and lifted up? So either David is delusional when he speaks about the creator this way, or he's just really good at writing great things. And so he's trying to express himself with poetic language. But I think neither of those is good enough. I think the reason David could say the Lord is my shepherd is because God had made him his by his grace. Miss Beverly believed that in her heart. By faith, because of what was revealed to her in the word of God. So why was David confident? Why is Miss Beverly confident? Why are we confident in the promises of God? In verse 4, these are hard words to say. They're hard words to think about and to swallow. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why could David be confident in that? Two reasons. There are probably a lot more. Number one, because he was in the presence of his Savior. A change takes place in verse 4 in the psalm. I wonder if you noticed it as I read it this morning. It's as if David had been on a clear day with beautiful skies, much like today. And he's been talking with a friend about God, describing the green pastures and the still waters of life how his heavenly father has been faithful to him. But then the sky darkens and the thunder rolls and he turns away from his friend to gaze directly into the face of his savior and he speaks with him in the valley of the shadow of death. It's a metaphor in the Bible, in the scriptures for everyday, not everyday troubles actually. It's much worse than that, worse than losing your phone or your car running out of gas or someone getting your order wrong while you get a cup of coffee. It's much worse than that. The valley of the shadow of death in the scriptures is chronic illness, disease, or significant troubles that lead to the end of life on this earth. And everything that you carry with you into that valley, concern for your family, Worry about what the process of death will be like. Will it hurt? Will I be lonely? 
Will anyone be with me? Will my faith stay true? And with suffering and real pain and the cloudiness of uncertainty and unanswered questions, David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. By faith, he lays hold of the covenant promises of God and holds on. God promises in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 to his people. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. We believe that Miss Beverly didn't walk into the valley of the shadow of death on her own. Her faithful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, held her hand, carried her, comforted her, gave her strength. It says he will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. That's why David could have confidence. That's why we have confidence in what the Lord does and what he promises. Not only does David trust in God's presence, he trusts in his provision also. It's striking to me that David doesn't hedge his bets with God. Maybe you think this way. Maybe you pray this way sometimes. God, I'll trust you. If you'll heal my body. I trust you if you'll keep the pain away. If you'll spare me from hardship. If you'll not let my family wander too far away from you. Or if you will deliver me from this death that I dread. It seems that David understands that God may actually not bring him out of the valley. But he trusts fully that God will bring him through the valley by his grace. The peaceful, confident assurance of God's providing all that we need is not something we can manufacture by positive thinking. There's no way you can psych yourself out to believe the promises of God. We believe that faith is a gift by God's grace that he gives to his people. You can't work it up in your heart. Faith is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It is a precious gift from a loving Savior who holds his children in his hand. In Psalm 138, verse 7, it says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand and save me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, a promise that Miss Beverly and I spoke about, that I've spoken to some of you about, that to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. On January the 10th, Miss Beverly did not die. Her body simply ceased to have life. But the moment that she took her last breath, that her heart beat its last, she was transformed. Stepped out of life in this earth and into the presence of her Savior, and she was welcomed to glory. And she celebrates in His presence now. From the very moment, this is the story of your life and mine if you know the Lord. From the very moment that He quickened our hearts by grace to call upon the name of the Lord in saving faith and say, God save me, a sinner. He has been leading us upon the paths of righteousness to safely reach heaven's shores, to remain there for all eternity. And so the believer says, if this trial, if this suffering, if this disease, 
If this hardship is the doorway that you have chosen for me to walk through, to step into eternity, then blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to share in closing a quote Charles Spurgeon wrote in a little booklet called The Checkbook of the Bank of Faith. He said, up to this hour I have suffered no real damage from my many afflictions. I have neither lost faith, nor hope, nor love. Nay, so far from losing them, they have gained in strength and energy. I have more knowledge, more experience, more patience, more stability than I had before the trials came. Not even my joy has been destroyed. So I want to end with just a question. And I hope that you will seriously consider the promises that you've heard. I want to ask you, are you in the Good Shepherd's care? Very seriously, do you know the Lord today? Have you called upon Him, God save me, a sinner? Do you know the hope of eternal life? Gathering for a funeral is a grave thing. It's a reminder we are not in bodies that are perfect. And maybe you were reminded of that this morning when you got up in the cold as your knees didn't want to work as well or your back or your hands. Maybe you were reminded this body, it is broken and it is dying. And one day I will stand in front of the one who created me. And either he will judge me for my sin by sending me to hell forever or he will say, all of it has been covered in the precious blood of my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Enter into your rest, good and faithful servant. Do you know the Lord today? Not do you believe in God? Did you pray a prayer? Were you dunked in water? Did you have it poured over your head? Do you know the Lord? Are you walking with Him? And if you do not, Hear the promises of God. He welcomes sinners. All that the Father has given him will come to him. And all who come to him, John 6, 37, he will in no way cast out. Amen. At this time, Miss Beverly's daughter, Tammy, would like to share a few brief words. Thank you all for coming. Please know that my family and I so appreciate you being with us today on this very chilly, chilly morning. I would like to say a few words about Mama and just celebrate the incredible person that she was. Thank you for allowing me to do this this morning. When Mama first moved to Winsboro, I didn't really even know anything about the channel. I had no idea where it was or even how to get here. I also had no idea of the wonderful friendship she would ultimately create in this very special place and relationships that she cherished while she was here with us. I don't think she got involved in Lebanon when she first arrived. If I'm not mistaken, she may have visited a few times, but her desire to be a part of a church family was always there. As a child, she attended church thanks to an Episcopal priest in Charleston named Father Clifford, and she spoke about him often. 
When we arrived, when we lived in Johnston and as I was growing up, she made sure to have me in church as well, and we attended Johnston Presbyterian Church. So how fitting that she would ultimately end up back in a precious Presbyterian church. I was an only child growing up, and so Mom and I spent a lot of time together. I have great memories of her taking me to the library, reading to me, taking me shopping for school clothes and supplies, watching TV together, riding the train to Florida to see my grandparents, taking me to the dime store in Johnston to buy records and albums, just to name a few. Some of you remember that, I'm sure. At that same dime store, she would buy me simple but fun games to play. I remember learning to play jacks, all kind of card games like Old Maid and Go, Go Fish and Rummy. One of our favorite things to do together was to put puzzles um, together. We would always have a puzzle going. As you can tell, I have lots of good memories, but one of my favorite memories has always been of us picking peaches out of a peach orchard that wasn't far from our house. And my daddy worked nights sometimes. I was a police officer and sometimes a, um, and a truck driver. And um, we would settle in after Mama would slice the peaches and she'd pour cream over them. And we'd settle in and watch TV. And all of these things were such simple things looking back on them now. But they make such an impression on me, obviously. I'm learning the simple things are sometimes what makes for the best memories. She was always so supportive of me growing up and was my biggest fan. She was truly a great mama, making sure I had what I needed while making sure I also had wonderful childhood experiences, like roller skating every weekend with my friends at the Red Wing Rollaway at the Hilltop. Some of you may remember that as well. Beach trips, family reunions, trips to Carowinds, going to the Hilltop Drive-In too, which some of you may remember I'm looking out. After I'd had my bath, my pajamas, we'd all get in the car, me and Mama and Daddy, and go to the drive-in. Stopping at Ann's Dairy Bar and um, salute her every time we went grocery shopping for ice cream. And there are so many more. Like those things, it was the simple things that made her happy just being with me doing those things. She loved walking in her yard in the morning, watching for birds, planting flowers, making a new wreath for her front door, sitting on the beach, reading a good book, going on trips to the mountains with her two best cousins, and spending time with her dear friends, whether it be at the car shows and that she and Papa often attended, or even here at church. Speaking of those car shows, she always talked about how those special times um, were with those special friends, and she loved meeting new friends along the way and established friendships and people that she still kept up with. She was very easy to make new friends, as you all know, and she cherished those friendships greatly. I think you can tell she was a great per a people person that loved simple things and valued relationships in her life. Even in her final days, she was a great per a people person. The number of staff members that told me thank you for sharing her with them was too many to name or count. Each one of them that took care of her always had a sweet story to share about her. They loved her sweet spirit and truly thought she was something special at the hospice house. Several of them commented that they noticed the peace and the happiness that she had and how eager she was to share that with others. She was a great mama to her two grandchildren, Colby and Cooper. She adored her great-grandson, Reese, and she fell in love with Tommy, Colby's husband, and Kelsey, Cooper's fiance. I asked my children how they would describe her, and they immediately said that she was the perfect example of unconditional love. And what they meant by that was she loved them no matter what. She wasn't demanding, ever. She wasn't selfish, ever. And she always understood that as they got older, 
They may not be quite as available as they were when they were younger, but she valued and held dear to her heart any time that she could be with them. They added that she was funny. She cheered them on, and she always made them the center of attention when they were with her. She made it a point to show interest in whatever they had going on. Another way they described her was grateful. It was always fun to watch her open gifts, and Colby will explain a little bit more about that in a minute. It didn't matter what it was. She was so overjoyed and so appreciative. It could have been a simple pair of fuzzy socks. It could have been the best pocketbook ever. could have been an expensive bracelet. It didn't matter. It was the simple things. And she always made the gift giver feel like they had given her the most absolute perfect gift. One of the last times she was at my house, she felt well enough to stone the screen at the porch one afternoon when it was raining. And she commented on how wonderful the rain sounded and how it was calming and peaceful. She was a great mama, full of love and support for them. She will miss Cooper and Kelsey's wedding in May. But I told her I hoped that the Lord would give her a sneak peek, and I feel like he will. She had so much to stick around for, so I knew when she told me that she was ready to see Jesus, that she was suffering and she was struggling more than I knew. She was, she was one to never put her struggles on others, and I believe she kept things to herself in order to protect me and my family. She loved this church. I cannot tell you how much she loved this church. She was so proud of the work that she was involved in. Her circle meetings, the Bible studies, the vacation Bible schools, decorating for the senior lunches, and getting to know everyone. She especially loved and enjoyed her work with the children over the years. She loved baking cupcakes for them. And she really thought that she had found a prize whenever she found those little tiny baking paper filler things. Because <laughs> she was like, they just eat the icing off the top, or they just eat, you know, whatever. So she loved when she found those little tiny ones. She um, would always talk about learning the stuff, the things that she was learning in her Bible study group. She loved to learn and process the information with you all and the way that you all supported her, she was so proud of. She would always talk about how all the other women had such beautiful prayers that they would stay to open or close the time together. And she would also say, I could never sound that good when I prayed. And I tried to encourage her to just write something down. So I just write something down. You can always pull it out of your pocket and just read it. I'm not sure she ever did that, but I did encourage her to do that. She had so many wonderful things to say about all of you. And it warmed my heart to know that she was so well taken care of and loved in such a genuine way. It was a blessing to me to know that she was involved in a church that rallied around her, um, not only when Papa passed away, but when she was facing her own struggles. I would often ask her to sell her house and move, forward, move closer to us, and she would always say, no, this is my home. So anytime any of you did anything for her, like cut her grass, bring your children to visit her, haul off the limbs that had fallen, those trees worried her, bring her plants or flowers or care packages, she would call and let me know every single time. She would try to take pictures, and she and her iPhone were not friends. <laughs> they were not friends. Woo! Woo, I appreciate Copeland talking about her hearing. That was funny in itself. I mean, really, those were some conversations. <laughs> Ooh, it was a task to get through, but we did. 
But um, she would try to take pictures and send them to me of all the flowers or things that people had brought her. And she was just so humble and appreciative of all those special acts of kindness. They really meant something to her. I want you to know that this church, you all allowed her to be independent with the knowledge that someone would be there quickly if needed. You all allowed her to grow in her faith. You all allowed her to serve others as well as serving the Lord. You all allowed her to experience what a true church family should be. You all encouraged her to be a part of things so that her confidence could grow. You all supported her walk with the Lord in extraordinary ways. And you all loved her for who she was and embraced her in this very special church. I will tell her every chance I got that this church family was an indescribable blessing. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I would always tell her, Mama, you do not know how blessed you are to have that church family around you. And um, so that was very special to me because I knew that y'all were taking care of her when I was an hour away. And I just thank you for showing her Jesus' love in so many ways. I know that Mama knew the Lord, and I knew that Jesus was her Lord and Savior, and I knew that at an early age. But because of you all in this church, her faith and her knowledge grew so much. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that she confidently made up her mind to quit the fight when she knew she wasn't getting any better. On December 26th, she told me when I walked in that hospital room, she just said, Tammy, I'm done. She said, I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of the suffering. I'm not getting any better. And through our conversations, I told her I would support her and that I didn't want to be selfish and try to keep her here just to prolong it for me and my family. I got that very good advice from my very dear friend. She was so brave and inspirational in the fact that she never complained. She never questioned why all of this was happening. I saw a peace that passed all understanding those last days with her. I found Mama's Bible and journals where she kept notes on passages of Scripture as she studied and read each day. She did love the Psalms. She did. And I know that brought her a lot of comfort throughout her life, and especially over the last two years as her health began to decline. Through all of this, as I was seeking answers, I was constantly reminded, constantly, that I didn't need answers. I just needed to trust. So every morning, that was what I told myself. I don't need answers. I just need to trust. Finally, I want to share with you a few things that really stood out and demonstrated how God worked all of this out because it's really neat. I talked with her about all of this, and I think she would want me to share this with you because it does show a type of trust and faith that I think we both had to have. It's a testimony of how the Lord worked all of this out. All of her doctors have always been in Columbia. But that morning when we had to call the ambulance, Lexington Hospital, County Hospital, was deferring all ambulances. They were not taking anybody. And so um, we made the choice to go toward Greenwood. That wasn't our first choice, but it ended up being the best choice. From that moment on, she was exactly where she was supposed to be. I cannot tell you how kind and compassionate each and every person that worked with her was. When it came time to consider hospice, there was only one bed available, and that one went to her. I never thought hospice would be considered a blessing, but this time it was. The hospice house is a beautiful place filled with the Lord's love and compassion and care for the people there. There was no doubt the Lord planned our steps to be exactly where we were supposed to be for every stage of this process. 
I cannot thank those people thank those people enough for loving her, supporting her, and making sure that her last days were filled with dignity and grace. And Mama's special angel is here today. And she's here. Emma, I'm glad she's here. <laughs> One of my favorite songs is Joy in the Morning. If you don't know it, you need to look it up. It's by Taryn Wells. It's a beautiful song. Even though I experienced many blessings through all of this, there were days when I didn't know why and I didn't understand. And I found myself in the middle of something that I really didn't know how I got there. I was, I was reminded that I was not alone, though, and I didn't have answers. That healing doesn't always come on this side, and that trust is all I can really do. Because when everything settles, I know in my heart there will always be joy in the morning. Thanks to Jesus and what he did for us, we know that Mama's giving, kind, and loving spirit will live on in each of the lives that she so beautifully touched. Thank you for letting me share with you this morning. A special thank you to Pastor Copeland and your ministry to my family and to Mama. You were a very steady presence in a very unsteady time, so I thank you for that. Finally, thank you, Jesus, for my Mama. And thank you for all of you who were here because you either loved her or you love us. Thank you again.
On behalf of my family, we would like to say thank you for being here with us today as we celebrate the life of my Nana. As you have already heard this morning, she was an incredible person who touched so many lives with her infectious personality. Just as we are thankful for you all and all of your gratitude, thankful is a word to describe my Nana. Always thankful for big or small, always thankful for five minutes of time spent or five days, and always thankful for the sun or the rain. She would find thanks in everything. She was so grateful and thankful for her community here in Winsboro. She was thankful for the friendship she made here at her church. She was very grateful for the children in this church, and we as her family are very grateful for those things too. It kept her going and gave her a sense of purpose. Nana was so grateful and thankful for the little things in life, and as you heard my mom just say, whether she got a fuzzy pair of socks or an expensive purse, her reactions were the same. She would squeal with excitement, and she would say, Oh, my gosh, y'all did it. Like we had just spent a million dollars on something. She would ooh and ah over and over with such gratitude and thanks. When Cooper and I were little, we would go to Nana's house for the weekend. We would meet her in Newberry um, right near the interstate, which we drove past this morning. And I looked over, there used to be a swing set there. It is now like completely dry rotted and awful. We would swing for a little while. Um, she was always so thankful when we would visit. They would take us out to eat and Nana would drive. I would sit up front and Cooper and Papa would sit in the back. I would change the radio station to what Cooper and I wanted to listen to. Papa would be in the back wanting us to turn it. And she would turn around and say, shut up, Jay. We don't have them here all the time, and they can listen to whatever they want. We spent many nights in her back bird room, watching movies and eating ice cream. Our time with her was simple but treasured. She was so thankful for the time we spent together, and I hope she knew just how thankful we were, too. One of her favorite things to do with Reese was to go to the zoo. She would give him a membership each Christmas for the whole year. We would go and she would meet us there. She once again found joy in the simple things at the zoo, always noticing things about the animals and taking it all in, and the bird exhibit was her favorite. I'm so thankful for those memories Reese will have to look back on. Even in her last days, she was still so thankful. So from my family, whether you kept us in your thoughts and prayers, you sent us encouraging words or flowers, prepared food, or made a memorial donation, please know that we will forever be thankful and grateful to you all. We are even more grateful that you loved our sweet Nana. Thank you.
Just after our benediction, in just a moment, the family is going to uh, proceed out with a song that they selected uh, to be played while we're all leaving, that we might uh, consider and behold the love of the Lord. Let's stand together and receive the benediction of our Lord. This is from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.